Hello friends, welcome to the Grow Your Future podcast. I am Zah, your host. I'm joined by my friend Sam Eljaban. How are you? I'm good, Zah. How are you doing? Good, thank you. The Money, the money Club series. Yes. Money Club series number five. Mm. Sam, what's, what, what's the Money Club series? We've got some new listeners and they, they, need, they want to know what the Money Club series is. Okay, new listeners. The Money Club series, um, I guess, is a compilation of videos and uh, chats that we're going to have up to date and moving forward about all things money. Um, some tips and tricks, some, some advice, general advice, I would say, in, in how to grow, grow your wealth regardless where you are on your journey. Uh, so tips and tricks throughout the journey, yeah. That's Mate, pretty that's much great. it, huh? That's great because we, we love personal finance. And to a lot of people, they, they, it, it's quite boring. Mm. You know, like we, we talk about it on a daily basis, don't we, Sam? And yeah. we're actually quite passionate about it. Mm. And, you know, we, we're surprised at how, how, how much there's just no information out there in the marketplace regarding personal finance. And it really is up to you mm. to uh, listen to podcasts like this, to read the books, to, you know, get on top of your finances and really like, uh, you know, invest for the long term. Now, you know, investing is the topic that we want to talk about today. Mm. And it's, it's, uh, it's something that a lot of people overlook, yeah. I feel. Yeah. Um, but what does it mean? What's investing mean? Like, it's such a broad thing. People always say, oh, I've got to invest, you know, but... Yeah. What is it? What, what, what are they going to invest in? What, it's, it's such a general term. Investing, uh, I don't know, from a, a very general look at things. Sorry, I'll move closer. It's putting time and effort, I reckon, or money, time, effort and money towards something that's going to grow and, and give you a benefit in the future. So I guess from a non-definition type of look at it, it's something that you're going to put say, resources to, that's going to give you some sort of benefit uh, down the track, whether that's yourself, different types of assets and things like that, that are going to give you a, a return, right? Yeah, so investing, like, I think a, a lot of people get it confused because they think stocks, shares, uh, even real estate and yeah. all of that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. With, with that definition that you just gave us, Sam, mm. investing really is about doing something for the long term, and that doesn't necessarily mean money. You know, that, yeah. that could mean time, right. right? That could be mean your own resources. Um, it could mean energy. And it, it, it's really important to, to understand that investing means doing something now for yeah. you to get a gain in the future. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think too many people think of investing as purely just monetary, but it's not, not just that, right? Yeah, so I guess th- some people do get confused between investing and spending mm-hmm. right because you don't you, you can also spend a lot of time and spend a lot of energy spend a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, and you know spending isn't necessarily investing no. right what's the difference between the two Sam oh um, I would say investing and spending it comes back to I could boil it back down to the boring accounting type uh, scenarios but um, investing is like identifying an asset that will give you the return right and an expense is something that could be a liability or just a one-off thing that has no, I guess, intrinsic value to you that's not going to help you get to where you're going to go. So that could be uh, spending too much on 
sort of lifestyle stuff and all that kind of thing that's going to... So disposable items, disposable. they're not going to give you the return, right? That's it. That's it. So uh, it's, it's really, it really is a finance type thing, investing <clears throat> um, and spending. They're very, very different different things. Well, what I like to... I like to call it spending money because spending generally is... In, we get enjoyment from spending, right? Oh, like, yeah, ge- yeah. you know, people like to go shopping. People mm. like to buy, uh, you know, a new car. They like to spend money on, on clothes and all of that sort of thing. So when I'm talking about investing, I actually talk about spending, spending yeah. money, yeah. right? And I know our... Um, you know, we've done four... Money Club Series podcast already, and it's all about being frugal, saving money. You know, <laughs> you know, Sam, Sam's come up with all the generic, boring accounting the boring stuff. stuff. But we want to make this a little bit more exciting. It's yeah. like you know, let's let's now start thinking about growing our income. So we we've we've gotten to a point where we, we we're good with saving money. We've got our overheads low, where our expenses are you know really 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 low, right? So. We're at, we've got this surplus cash now. What do we do with it, right? Now, this is the fun part because you can go and take some risk, right, and start spending some money. But we want to spend the money wisely, which means that we're investing it, yes. right? So I always say, like, money is there to be used for something. It's a tool, right? right? It's, a tool. it's a tool. Exactly right. Like, you want to be able to use the money to make more money mm. or to create something special, mm. right? So... You know, spending money is not that bad as long as you're getting a return from it. The, what, the reason we harp on about the budgeting and stuff previously in the initial episodes uh, was because you need to do that to get to the fun part, right? And, and, and then invest that money. So there was a reason we talked about it for so long is that you need to get those foundations right before you get to this point where you have that excess to start making it work for you. And I, I, that's another thing about investing. It's... Putting that asset, whatever it is yourself, the money, the time, to work for you, right? So you're putting that money to work. You're putting yourself, your brain to work to give you a benefit. So that, that's really the, the, the big difference between investing and spending. So there's stages in, in investing, yeah. right? So there's the, the stage of investing like in yourself and then there's the stage of investing in your business or, or, or your career or your profession or whatever it is to generate that income yeah. and then uh, to, to give you that lifelong, I guess, stream. And then, you know, on the back end is where you start investing in things like, uh, you know, other businesses that aren't yours or, or real estate and hard assets, could be precious metals or whatever it is. Um, and we know you love precious metals, Sam, and we can talk about that we have a, uh, I have a, a love-hate love yeah. relationship with them. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, identifying those three different stages, uh, you know, uh, is really important because, you know, saving the money and being frugal and getting rid of debt and not acquiring new debt and all of that sort of stuff is... Is paramount. It'll get you to a certain point, right? Like, you can only save so much money, you know what I mean? Uh, but when it gets to a point where you're like, okay, now I actually need to grow my income. Mm. Now I need to actually grow my investment uh, portfolio, right? And that's where you've got to start letting go, yeah. right? And it's a, it's a difficult transition. I, I, I meet clients all the time where they're like, Zah, I am the best saver in the world and they've been the best saver in the world for 20, 30 years and, but they haven't done anything. Yep. They've got millions of dollars in the bank, yep. right? They've got no assets that generate any, any income. Yep. They've got no businesses but they're the most frugal people in the world mm. and they've done so well at like building this nest egg of cash mm. which we all know is going down in value yep. but they've got no investments because they haven't, they've been too scared to go and take the risk. 
I think that's how, how many clients of yours that you do with can get to that stage, but that's quite hard to save to that level, eh? Right? So, that's would, would you say that's a small well, look, percentage so I'm, to I mean, get to millions of dollars? Yeah, so it's a small percentage, to right? To save that money, yeah, because most you need to invest the money to get to that level. That's right, usually. That's in, right. In so, it's an extreme case, right? That was yeah. an extreme case, yeah, yeah. but there's a lot more other people out there, they've got. Three or four hundred grand in the bank. Um, they, they've been excellent savers. Mm. They do all of the right things. They pack their lunch, take it to work. Uh, you know, they, they they catch public transport. They don't have they don't have a car or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't accrue any bad debt. Like they do all the right things, right? But that's only going to get them so far. They need to make a move. They need to start growing their business, mm. uh, whether that's the business of their, their, their assets uh, that they hold, yeah. as in real estate, or their business as in it could be their profession or whatever it is. You know, they are a business themselves. So they've become successful at the budgeting side of things, and now they've got that excess, they're going to invest now. So cash, as we know, is a very poor returning asset, right? Right now, what's the interest rate on money? Right now, it's like 1%. 1%, yeah. And what's inflation usually? Like 2 2 to 3%. So really, that cash that you have in the bank is actually going backward. Yeah, usually, so let's give an example. 100 grand in the bank. 100 grand in the bank, if you've got a term deposit, it's going to give you 1 grand. Yeah. Right? Over time, you know, it's probably a bit different, but about $1,000 over 12, 12 months. But the inflation rate is, is might be lower now. Let's say it's two to $3,000, right? So you've got $101,000... Uh, and then the inflation, inflation. Two, 2%, so you're back down to 100 or 99. 99, 98. So right. that's cash that you held, okay, it's safe. You've got money to spend or to splurge on if you want, but really to make that work for you, you have to do something else with it instead of saving the money. And what happens in year two? Oh, it's even, it's even worse. It goes down even more. It's so even progressively, it just diminishes in value. So if you don't use this tool, people, you will, you will lose eventually. Like it'll get to year 10, year 15, and you'll almost be at zero, right? So what you want to do is you want to go, okay, I've worked really, really hard to save and, and get to this point. What am I going to do now, right? And, you know, one of the things I just want to touch on, we don't want to go into too much detail, is superannuation. Yeah. Uh, with the reason why we don't want to go into too much detail, because it's a very, very delicate yeah. uh, subject, and I can see Sam sweating <laughs> beads, right? But yeah. we're going to touch on it briefly, because I, I want to just state the facts. Mm. Everybody who makes an income in Australia is an investor. How? How? Uh, mandatory super contributions. That's right. So if you, even if you haven't uh, gone and invested on your own behalf into anything, mm. you, what you don't know is that you've already invested. You are already an investor. So everybody that's listening to this podcast today mm-hmm. is an investor yeah. in some way, way shape, shape, or form, form. right? Correct. So superannuation is being invested on your behalf by the government. And you don't even really know. Not, not really. The, gov- the government tells you you have to, but it's with other big managed funds, right? So separate super funds. But the government, I think, I have reasons why the government brought this in. I think the government knows people as a general uh, definition, we're not that good with money, right? And they don't want to fund our retirement. So they brought in this superannuation scheme to forcibly make you save and have that investment in the background if you're not doing it yourself. So it is doing it on your behalf type of thing. So, yeah, everyone is an investor. If you're an employee working or if you're in business, usually there's a, there's a super deduction you can do to help you with your taxes 
but all that money is going into a super account, which is being invested. So by default, everyone is investing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and it's 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 funny, right? Because people 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 curse super. They go, "Oh my god, super just does nothing for me." Well, you you can do you can actually do a lot with it, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you roll it over into an SMSF, yeah. you can you can invest it into property, precious metals, shares, whatever you want. Mm. Everyone has the, the opportunity to be a, a, a quality investor, even if you don't have any money in the bank because mm-hmm. you've got superannuation there sure. as well. It is an option for you. Mm. Like We don't generally recommend you do it unless you've got a sufficient amount in there, yeah. but you can go and do it, mm. right? Like It, it, it is an option. Mm. So you know, it, I think you know, if you've got anywhere under 200K in, the, in, in, a, in a superannuation fund, you should probably just leave it in there anyway until mm-hmm. it grows. But... That fund in itself yeah. is being invested on your behalf. Right. And, you know, obviously going through a time like now uh, with COVID-19, uh, values of superannuation has, uh, ha- have come back a bit. Yeah. But they'll, come, they'll, they'll go back up again. Mm. They'll go back up again and, you know, you, 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 you'll soon see a return on that. Mm. Mm. So it's really important to, to know that, you know, everyone is invested. Um, and, you know, keep an eye on that, you know, to take it seriously. It's a key part of everyone's wealth creation, right? And it's something a lot of people forget and don't even know. I've talked to a lot of younger people, they don't even know what super is, right? So in their 20s that have just started working. Um, even into the 30s, they don't really know, understand mm-hmm. it. So it is a crucial part of, because what are we talking about here? We're talking about growing wealth. Why? So we can eventually stop working, right? And get a passive income stream. In super... That's the most tax-effective tax place to hold assets once you retire. There's some tax reasons for that. Um, it essentially becomes tax-free. So it's a very key thing. Uh, Can we give an example for our listeners so they know yes. if they had something in their personal name compared to if they had it in their super, yep. they're 65 years old, yep. you know, like what, 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 what are the, I guess, the, the tax benefits of, of doing it in okay. superannuation? I'll just use like a monetary value, so a dollar amount and a return, just to give an example. So just say you have a million dollars in your own name. A million dollars would generate, just say you've, you've got an investment giving you a 5% return, that'll give you 50 grand. If that million dollars is in your personal name and you generate 50 grand, you're going to be taxed at your marginal rates which would be close, I don't know, tax on 50 grand could be 10 to 12 grand, something like that. Now, if that's in super, you've got the million dollars, same balance, it's in super, invested in the same asset, generating a 5% return. If you are 60 years old and over, that 5% return is not taxed at all. And you've converted... So it's tax-free. It's, it can become a tax-free environment once you're over 60 years old and retired. And that's a, that, that's a beautiful thing, Sam, because that tax will, Mate. you know, in your personal name... Yeah. Well, is a considerable amount. It is right, but people don't really realise it because it's it's so far away. That's right. So what what we need to be conscious of is that everybody's going to reach that age, right? If you don't die earlier, (laughs) but you know, like hopefully everybody reaches that age, Mm. and we really got to take it seriously. Like, and that's why we you know we do a lot of um, you know buying property in in super because you know you can you can leverage yourself a little bit further. Um, it is a strategy that, that I'm using myself um, and a lot of other clients use and we're not recommending mm-hmm. you know you go and do that on this podcast no. but it is an option, an option yeah. that, that, that is out there for you to sort of deploy because mm-hmm. um, the, only, the only time you can buy a physical property within super is in SMSF so if you have a super account right now you cannot buy a physical property you can buy shares or units in a trust that invest in property but if you're a person that 
loves real estate and loves buying real estate, knows real estate and has done well and wants to utilize funds for real estate investment through super, you have to set up an SMSF. So it's the only way you can invest through through super to get a property, an SMSF. So there, go, there you go, guys. There you have it. I'm going to leave it at that for the SMSF and the superannuation talk because I can see Sam stressing. Yeah, we turning, have to be careful. Turn, turning bright red. Just as a, just so you guys know why, it's uh, an SMSF is a financial product. That's all. And, and to give advice directly to someone, you have to be licensed. But we can provide general Generally yeah, so if you any of you guys that, out there that are interested, interested in, in using your super uh, to, to roll over into an SMSF, we, yeah. we've got the right people and the right team to sort of talk to you guys and, yeah. and get that going for you. But we're going to leave it down to, uh, just, just for the superannuation stuff. We want to now move back into uh, investing in other things. Mm. Um, now, Sam, yeah. what do you think the best investments are? Best investments from your from your experience. What do you think the best investments are? Okay, from my experience, I'll just use myself. Uh, my education was was the first thing that I invested in through uni. Uh, so going to uni, uh, learning what I needed to know for my occupation, and then continual education in that area. That's able. That's been able to allow me to get more income, to then do more things with that income. So. I think education is the founding. Um, so investing in yourself, right? Yeah. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, investing like it, it, it's funny, right? Because a lot of people say to me, they go, Zah, what's the best investment do you yeah. think I can make? And yeah. I always say to them... You actually tell me this all the time as well. Continue yeah. investment in yourself. Yeah, it's the investor, right? Investor, sorry. Mm-hmm. That's how, you, how you're supposed to pronounce it. The investor, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's the person, yeah. right? I, I would always recommend investing in yourself mm-hmm. before investing in any other sort of real asset or... Or some financial product, because if you invest in yourself and start really learning mm. about what it is you should be investing in, yeah. then you shouldn't lose, yeah. right? The number one rule is not to lose money, yes. right? And I think the problem that everyone has is that they try and outsource that investment advice or that outsource that investment decision, mm. and then go, "All right, well, I've done it, and I'm just going to sit back and hope for the best." But mm-hmm. that's not a great strategy. The strategy should be invest in yourself, in your self-education, invest in yourself in terms of getting the right people around you to give you the right advice, and then go, right, I'm going to make this this decision based on the knowledge and experience that I have, and I'm going to be guaranteed a return. Like every single investment I make now in terms of property, I'm guaranteed guaranteed to make money. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed, because I know it so well. Yeah. Um, I've invested in myself to the point where now, like, uh, you know, I have to charge an hourly rate for my advice because it, it, it's taken me a long time to That's get here. A very, it's a commodity for you now, right? It's, it is it's a commodity. My, my education now is a commodity, and I pass that knowledge on to, like, my clients mm-hmm. or my network or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I'm highly valuable in the marketplace now. In the investment space, yeah. I'm highly valuable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I get, for example you know, deals coming across my desk all the time where people want me to sell their products. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I can't endorse this. Mm-hmm. I can't endorse it because, number one, my clients aren't going to make any money. Number two, it's my reputation that's on the line, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we need, to, we, need to, we need to be smart enough to sift through the bullshit mm-hmm. because there's so much out there. So, guys, it's not the investment. Mm-hmm. It's the investor, mm-hmm. It is the it, it's the person yeah. it's the person making the investment that is the most important. Invest in yourself, the asset, right? But then you can recruit people like yourself and and myself to help you 
in your network to make these decisions and help you get there. So what are some, what are some of the things that we can do to invest in ourselves? Um, education. So invest in yourself is education, experience. So I think you had a good story about uh, getting greater knowledge in your field by actually doing the experience, not just reading but acting, right, and doing it. So you're going to learn a lot more by doing it. And then teaching people about it. Because what is that saying? Where they say you learn more about being a teacher than the student, right? Or you can really show your understanding of a concept or a, or a principle. Best way to learn is to teach. Is to teach, yeah. right? So um, I think experience. So you need, you need the foundations being the education, but then actually do it, right? Do the investing, get the people on board um, and, and practice it. Right. Yeah, you know, the, the, the art of doing mm. is, you know, like it, it, nothing beats it mm. because you're going to make some mistakes and, you know, you're going to fall over, you're going to learn and you're going to, you're going to, you know, you guess you, you get better and stronger as, as, as time goes on. So I think, you know, doing the practical work is really important, but also surrounding yourself with people that have done it before. Yes. Surround yourself with people that have done it before, and then what will happen is they will rub off on you, and then you'll pick up their habits, you'll pick up their, I guess, their work ethic and the way they do things, and you'll also learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to make as big of mistakes. I think it's, it'll speed up your time as well. Sorry to cut you off. That's okay. Um, so like reading a book, you're reading a book because you're getting that person's experience, right? And, and you're digesting their 20 years of experience. So when they engage, when someone engages someone like yourself, they're getting how many years worth of property investment? Yeah. All in this one hour, two hour time frame to apply to their life. Yeah. So they're cutting a lot of time out of, of that education. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, it, I know, guys, it sounds like it, this, is a, this is just a plug for my experience. <laughs> uh, but it's the truth. Right, it is the truth because it's the it's it's the experience and the education that you know you we we, we really hammer in to mm. our clients and that's that's the value. Well, without right? that education and experience, would you have what you have right now? That's right. You wouldn't have. That. That's right. You'd be an employee somewhere doing something else. And you know we've put in a lot of a lot of a lot of hours, a lot of hard days, a lot of hard years to to get to where we are and. You know, it's it, it, our, our clients can benefit from it, right? And it's it, it's it don't make the same mistakes I did, you know. And I'm I'm teaching you how to make money now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I really wanted to touch on today is short-term fluctuations in the marketplace, especially now. There's a lot of talk with COVID nineteen in September. We're going to have these uh, home loan repayment. Uh, holidays finished, job seekers going out the window, property prices are going to crash. Like, how do we really sort of get over these short-term scares? Like, like for example, uh, Warren Buffett famously says, "Be um, be, be fearful when when others are greedy, and when uh, be greedy when others are fearful." Which are uh, is a really really hard thing to follow. When oh, yeah. you think about it, it's easy to say, right? That 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 that. Um, quote is so famous but it's actually really really easy to say Mm. but when the whole world is caving in to be greedy is actually a very hard thing to do i know even for me we all have doubts Mm. right how how do we get over these short-term challenges because you know we are really investing for the long term a good analogy for that would be like the sheep so you'd be like the black sheep going outside the flock, right? Or not the black sheep, just the sheep getting outside the flock. There's a lot are, you of risk. To say, are you allowed to say that, Sam? I'm very offended. <laughs> the black sheep. Anyway. Uh, All lives matter. All lives <laughs> matter. But I just had to qualify that. Any sheep, right, leaving the flock, yeah. you're vulnerable. Yeah. 
every, your mindset as that sheep leaving the flock, you're like, everyone else is being safe there mm. together. And there's a wolf out here. It could get me, but I could get across wherever you're going. So that, it's a mentality thing, like you said. They call it the herd mentality, The herd right? mentality, yeah. right? So it's easy to go with that. Yeah. It's comfortable. It's, there's no risk. Uh, but it's not really going to help you achieve your goal if your goal is to get outside the herd, right? Yeah. So um, I guess... What the key is to be the black sheep. The black sheep. Get outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Even though all these factors outside are outside of our control. It really is a mindset, uh, like you said, and, and sifting through the nonsense uh, and, and just pushing through what you want to achieve. And let's think about it, guys. Like, over the long term, when we invest, we, it, 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 like, if you look at the last 100 years yeah. of, let's just call it, talk property here, yeah. right, because we're property experts. It, the last 100 years of, of property prices, national property prices of Australia, right, they've just gradually gotten, like, they've just... Are going through the roof, yeah. right? It just it just rises, and that's not a straight line, no. right? That's not a dead set. Str- what do you call that? Linear? Linear, yeah, it's a line, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not it's not this linear sort of growth, mm-hmm. right? It's it, it fluctuates mm-hmm. and it goes in cycles, and but over the long term, because we're investing for 40, 50, 60 years, like we're mm-hmm. going to be here for a while, mm-hmm. right? Well, let's hope so, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. We want to make sure that our assets are paying for our grandkids, our great-grandkids, when we're 85, 90 years old or whatever it is. So, you know, what we're buying today is not necessarily you know, going to be sold in five years' time or even 12 months' time or whatever it is, right? We want, we, we want to keep these assets for a very long period of time, um, if not forever. So... When you're in, you're in. You're not. You're not. You're not sort of going. Okay. Well, you know, we've come back ten percent today, and I'm not even saying it's going to come back ten percent. But let's say it does. Mm-hmm. It's come back ten percent. What are we going to do? Yeah. Like, if, as long as your cash flows there to support the asset, mm-hmm. and it's not costing you anything. Like, if it comes back twenty percent, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You're not selling. That's right. Your view is never to sell unless you're a developer and you're, you're planning to specifically flip the site or whatever that strategy is. But most of the time, it's a buy and hold strategy for the long term. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it comes back 5%, 10%, who cares? That's right. right. Just get into the market when you can. Because I'll tell you what, in six months' time, there's going to be something else you're going to be waiting for. In 12 months' time, there's going to be something else that you're... The media are going to put something else out there to scare the shit out of you mm-hmm. so you don't make a decision. You only lose when you sell, right? So if your aim is never to sell, and we're not we're not talking about flipping properties at all. You're not trading investing. properties, yeah. We're buying so, and holding. So if you were in a flipping game where you're trying to make those short term margins, then short term dips will affect you. Uh, but if we're talking about investing, which we are, which is long term, all of these cycles are part and course with the journey, right? So there will be dips. There'll be uh, uh, what do you call it? The top, the top of the dip. peaks and troughs. <laughs> peaks and troughs. Yeah. So it'll go. It'll go up. It's it'll gonna, go down. It's it's always going to happen, right? And and, it, it, and and again, history has told us this is what's happened. And you know, if you talk to people back in, um, <clears throat> pardon me, but you've talked to people back in you know 1980, mm-hmm. and they they're like, well, you know, well, I wish I bought more back then, mm-hmm. right? And um, people who lived through 1980, anyway, um, they'll always say, you know. I couldn't care less about the crashes. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care less about the fluctuations. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care less about um, it coming back even 50%, mm-hmm. right? Because they would say, well, Zah, 30, 40 years later, that's all obsolete. That's like, right. you don't even care about that blip. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, people whinge and whine over 
10, 15 grand that they've got to pay more for a, for a property. That's probably even better than something, something else they've looked at. Yeah. But what they don't understand in 30, 40, 50 years' time, like that is literally going to look like such small amounts small, of money. Small expense compared to what it's grown by, right? Yeah. So it's all relative. Yeah, and we, got, we get caught up like that because we're, we're all very short-term thinking, right? Unless, we're thinking small. Unless we act, actually engage and go, okay, this is for the long term. Those, those figures that we're dealing with that seem quite high now are actually very small. And very small. this is the problem with thinking small versus thinking big. And we always tell people to think big. But the, the, the issue that we have, and I, I've gone through this as well, is when you transition from the frugal saver to the growth mindset investor, what happens is in that transition, it's really hard to go from thinking really small and pinching the pennies and all of that sort of thing, being super frugal, to going to the investor mindset where you're trying to grow your income, you're trying to forget about the, the small problems. It's really hard. And Everyone would go through it. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's come from nothing, who's had to save up a considerable amount of wealth mm-hmm. and then trans- transition mm-hmm. into that growth mindset, into, into investing in lo- for the long term, for the bigger picture, and you know, you're now starting to look at millions of dollars rather than just saving you know, $3 for a coffee, mm-hmm. there's, there's always going to be that challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you know, that's one of the things where I've had to help a lot of my clients through in that transition period and start going, look, stop thinking so small. Like I'll give you an example. I had a client during the week who, you know, we're about to settle on a, on a, on a property for him. Yeah. Great property, great asset, 500 grand, right? And he originally got uh, uh, approved for a 90% LVR, which loan-to-value ratio means it's a 90% loan mm-hmm. uh, and he's only got to front up a 10% deposit. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem being, because we're in COVID, the banks have come back and just basically said, look, instead of doing a 10% deposit, we now need you to do a 20% deposit because we require you to have a little bit more equity in the property for us to feel comfortable with proceeding with this. Now, he called me upset as anything, just saying, Zah, I've got to now fork out an extra 35, 40 grand, whatever it was, right? And... um, you know, like I didn't account for the money. He had the money in the bank, but he, he just was so upset that the banks came back to him and told him to kick in a little bit extra equity. Mm-hmm. And I had to explain to him, I go, man, like, this is not a fee or a penalty mm-hmm. that you're paying. Yep. This is equity in your own property. Mm-hmm. This is bringing your repayments down. Yep. This is bringing your, your net worth uh, up, mm-hmm. right? I would much rather have my money in bricks and mortar than 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 in the bank, cash. right? Yeah. And I know he doesn't have access to that money right now because you know he's had to tip it in. Yeah. But I had to say to him, I said, look, put your big boy pants on yeah, yeah, yeah. and tip the money in and keep moving forward and start yeah. thinking about the next deal, mm-hmm. right? And I guess what what what, what my, the point of this story is that in 10, 20, 30 years time, we're going to look back on this. I'm going to turn to my client and I'm going to say to him, I'm going to go. Man, you remember when you were, you know, you, you were a <laughs> bitch about, away. you know, 30, 30 grand, yeah. right? Like it's, I bet like that just means nothing to you now. And that, that, that is the case. Mm-hmm. That 30 grand is going to look like literally a couple of K, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got to get, get out of that mindset of, oh, I've got to fork out this money. Like, <clears throat> pardon me. 
That's coming back to the investing and spending. So that guy probably had that mindset of this is I'm not spending money yeah. right, on something that's not valuable. But you had to remind him through your experience. I had to coach him and through knowledge it. and like, mate, it's actually going to benefit. And you. and you know what? On the back end of that conversation, he was cool. He was like, Happy day. he sent he sent me an email and he goes, oh, you know, uh, you know, sorry, I was you know being a bitch. Um, I'm, I'm 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 really happy that I'm going ahead with this. And he, he got over it. You know what I mean? And yeah. he was he was he was good. And that's. That is a strong investor. Someone who gets thrown a problem and they just wipe it off. Yeah. Water off a duck's back. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go forward. Mm-hmm. I'm going to think about the next deal. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that there, uh, I think, is a perfect example of you know, going from thinking small to thinking big in that transition. Mm-hmm. I think one last thing I just want to touch on before uh, we move on to the next topic yeah. is that what, I listened to a podcast this morning by uh, Robin, uh, Robin Sharma, I think his name is, and he's very famous for uh, writing a book on some morning routine, 5 a.m. club or something like that. Yeah. And um, he says, I don't know how he got to a, a, a point where he was talking about investing, and he said, some people look at investing in two different ways, right? Uh, oh, sorry, there's two different types of people that look at investing. One way is to look at investing as a cost, yeah. right? And the other way is to look at investing as value. Okay. Now, it, was a re- it really hit home for me because it was like that conversation I had during the week with mm. that client where mm. he looked at investing as a cost. He looked at that extra deposit required yes. as a cost yeah. where I, as the mentor and the coach, looked at it as value. Mm-hmm. Right? I said, hang on. The value here is that you get more equity, yeah. right? You've got a better LVR position. Your, your repayments are low. Like we got his interest rate down to 2.49%, wow. two years fixed, wow. right? Yeah. So for me, I was cheering <laughs> that he was down to an LVR of 80% because he didn't have to pay LMI, which is lender's mortgage insurance, yeah. right? There were so many positives. Benefits. There was so much value out of tipping in this extra, mm-hmm. uh, extra deposit. Mm-hmm. But he initially was looking at it as a cost, yes. right? And this is what investing is. Yeah. Investing is investing in value, not in price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're raising two key points from what you've discussed there is mindset and network. I think they're the two key things. So you can do so much to yourself, right? You can tidy your backyard. You can fix your finances. But like, like you discussed, um, once you're in that, that state of conserving and building a cash reserve, you might be hesitant to pull the trigger. So that's where the mindset comes into play and you need people within your network that are going to help you cross that line and then start progressing forward. So I think those scenarios you just mentioned are very, uh, they highlight the need of having, uh, maybe if not your own mindset, a great mindset within your network to help you achieve your goals. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, that's what we do for our clients, right? And Sam, like, I'm going to give you a bit of a wrap here and you, 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 you do that for me. Right, Sam's a licensed tax accountant, and he's very experienced in looking over numbers. And even this morning, we discussed, you know, a strategy that I'm I'm looking at um, deploying in the next twelve months. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have someone like Sam who can help me through it. Mm-hmm. Right, because I had some concerns; I didn't know if I could do it. And you've sort of given me some confidence in in, in which way to go. And you know, that's the benefit of having people in your network who are well experienced, that have done this stuff before, uh, they've seen many, uh, many files yeah. over and over yeah. again. And, you know, like you, you need to surround yourself with these types of people. It's the experience. And, all, and you know, what? all I did this morning is provide a soundboard, which is what we do most of the time, you yourself probably with clients. So they know what they want to do, but they need to... 
they need to talk to someone about it that has the same mentality or mindset or knowledge or experience just to get their opinion and raise things that you might miss. So uh, very important, having a good network. Um, what, uh, I keep going back to these sayings and memes and stuff like that, but there was, there was one I, I came across a while ago. They say, if you want to go, maybe I've said this already. Let's see. I can't test my memory, but uh, if you want to go quick, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So that yeah. means recruiting on board people you're not, to help you get there. You're not wrong. And you know what, Sam? It doesn't matter if you repeat yourself because repetition is king. Uh-huh. And you know these sayings, these lines, these mm. memes, or whatever, wherever you're getting these from, yeah. they, they 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 hold so much true value, mm. and people forget about it yeah. because going back to that point of you know building the team. Yep. The, the one of the biggest mistakes that you and I see is that people go and make investing decisions, but then put their hand up afterwards and go, Zah, I need some help. Sam, I need some help. Mm. Like, that is the worst thing you, you can do. Yes. You need to, before you pull the trigger, go put your hand up and go, yes. Sam, Zah, I need your opinion on That's this, right? right? Like right. me this morning, I didn't pull the trigger on anything. Mm. I put my hand up first and said, Sam, I need some help. <laughs> Right, and that's that's the mistake a lot of investors make mm. is that they they make the decision, mm. they execute, yeah. they're trigger happy, yes. meaning that they pull the trigger, you know, very very easily, but then they get some buyer's remorse or investors' remorse mm. afterwards, mm. and then put their hand up and think that we can fix it. Mm. It's very hard, very especially hard. with property. It's an illiquid asset, oh, meaning that if you needed to get out of it. You've already paid heavy entry fees. Mm. You will pay heavy interest and uh, exit costs. Yes. And also, it's not going to sell straight away. 100%. Even if you're in a great market, it's going to take 30 to 60 days, right? So you, you want to make sure that you're making the right decision for your situation. And, you know, like you've got the right people around you giving you that advice because there's a lot of people out there taking advice from the wrong people. Oh, and I've seen that a lot. So, so that guy, or what, that scenario you said, his mindset was good. He actually had the balls to buy the property, but he, he had no network to soundboard things and help him with the decision. So he fell down in that area. And I had many clients in that, in that boat. So uh, just a couple of examples. Uh, actually, they're both in the same sort of, um, uh, in the same concept. Identifying the asset, it's probably off topic a little bit, but the guy had the idea and the mindset, but his network wasn't there to help him with his asset choice. And he ended up buying an asset. I wouldn't call it an asset because it ended up costing him a lot of money. Um, he bought in a mining town which declined in value severely. Uh, he was getting good rental yields, but uh, the equity dropped more than half. So he was cuffed with that property. Now, if he came to me or even yourself with your knowledge uh, in the property market, you would, you would tell him to be wary about such a decision. So we come across these poor decisions all the time, which could be remedied or avoided if they just picked up the phone and had people to talk to like us, right? So And, and we've all made poor decisions. Yeah. We've all made poor decisions. We've all made the wrong calls. And we've all gone, you know what, if only I had the help. You know what, if only that person told me. Mm. Or you know what, if only I put my hand up. Mm. And before I made that move and just got a second, third, fourth opinion, right? right? And it counts. Mm. It can save you so much heartache, Mm. so much headache, so much money, right? And I wish I'd done it so many more times Mm. uh, back when uh, I made some really key financial decisions that just just didn't work out for me. And when I look back on it now... I didn't even need a financial advisor or an accountant or a property investment advisor to tell me that that was the wrong idea. I basically just needed someone with common sense to just say, 
uh, this doesn't look like it's going to work, okay. right? So I think, um, you so know... So you couldn't soundboard those decisions? Uh, because you know what? Know. You think you know everything. You're arrogant. You're cocky. Mm-hmm. You, you're very optimistic. And you know what? Like, you pay for it in the end. If you And you know what? That's another thing. If you don't pay an advisor, mm-hmm. right, a fee, mm-hmm. if you don't pay and you just go and make the decision on the own, your own, most of the time, you're going to pay the fee in other ways. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. and that is in in a loss. Yes. So that's where we want to avoid that mistake for you guys that are listening, because you know what, like we've been through it. Mm. Up to that point uh, where you made the bad decision, were you successful in most of the other decisions? Did you get sort of uh, a feeling that you could make all the decisions in a in a great way? It's it's led me to this point, right? Yeah. It's led me to this point, knowing that I, I know now how to do it. I uh, I am a lot more confident in my decisions. And, you know, I failed a lot early. Mm. And I failed very, very fast. And the the thing is, is I failed over and over and over again as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wasn't afraid to fail. I wasn't afraid to lose it all because I've had nothing. I've come from nothing. So for me, um, if I I lost, it was okay. I had time to, to get back up again. But once you reach your, you know, your late 30s, early, you know, your early 40s or whatever, whatever it is, right, whatever life is for you uh, where you start looking at things a little bit more conservatively you can't really afford to take those risks to fail so when I was in my 20s I always knew that okay if I'm going to fail you've got time I've got time I'm going to do it now and I went hard like I failed over and over and over again financially emotionally spiritually like I've been through a lot right and I'm still going through a lot now right Um, but I think it's really important for our younger listeners to go you know what just Give it a crack. Mm. Do it. Like, obviously, you know, educated decisions, you know, turn to those that, you know, you, you respect uh, in terms of, you know, lending a hand and all of that sort of thing. But it is important to go out and just give it a crack and, and, and just see how you go. But once you do enter, you know, your 40s, 50s, you want to make sure that your decisions are, you know, pretty much spot on because there's, there's, there's not much room for error anymore. When you say uh, give it a crack, I think what you're referring to is what's the biggest mistake in investing? The biggest mistake in investing is not investing. I have a really good example that applies to myself. So this was about 10 years ago, uh, newly into, into the career, everything like that. Was knowledgeable about property and I, I actually had a good network around me uh, at that time. And uh, I was looking to buy my first property back then, 10 years ago. McMahon's Point, bit of a nice suburb. Wow, great suburb. Studio apartment, $198,000. $198,000. Wow. 10 years ago. And what is it worth now, you reckon, the studio? That'd be worth 600, 700 grand. So that was a $500,000 mistake, financial mistake. I even had the network around me, right? I had the people around me to, to encourage me and tell me it's the best, it's go and do it. But my mindset let me down and it set me back. Imagine what you could do with half a million dollars of equity now. Well, there, you, of stuff. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, you know, the biggest mistake of all. Um, Not pulling that, the that, trigger. That's a, that's a big fuck up on your behalf, no, Sam. No, and no. you guys uh, who are listening uh, should learn from that and learn from our mistakes of, um, you know, sometimes not making the decision. Right. And I think that's some, one of the biggest hurdles that people face is that they, mm. they, they get analysis by paralysis and they, they, they sit on their hands and do nothing. So, yeah. um, guys... That's it well, for that number five of the Money Club series. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. See you guys.